Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. And welcome to our Seasons Greetings No Label episode. This episode we have a couple of guests. We're starting off with looking at something from a national perspective and then moving into our local Wellington area. And our first guest this afternoon is the Right Honourable Minister Carmel Sepaloni. Minister, welcome to our show and kia ora. Kia ora. And hey, look, I really was um, great that you're able to be with us for a short time today. And we wanted to talk to you about the new announcements that have came out from the Beehive just, a, uh, well, just over a week or so ago, read the new ministry, etc. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little about the new ministry, what its aim, purpose is, and any of the timeframes that have now been put in place. Yeah, certainly, uh, Thomas. Yeah, so there were a few main components to the announcement that we made about a week ago. Uh, One is, of course, the establishment of the Ministry for Disabled People, although the name of that ministry is yet to be decided on, but that's the placeholder. Uh, Secondly was the announcement that we will be moving to roll out the Enabling Good Lives approach nationwide. Uh, So really heading down that systems transformation Uh, route that uh, many have been wanting us to for quite some time. Mm. And the third part of it is uh, that we will be introducing accessibility legislation to the House in Parliament in the middle of next year. Uh, And so they are pretty significant and and very much intertwined announcements uh, and really reflect much of what disabled people uh, dis- the disability community and whānau of disabled people have been asking for over a period of many years. Yeah, and so with the new ministry, um, that's obviously, as you said, the name name is sort of um, something that's still to be settled on. What what do you sort of see the the aim or the purpose of the ministry will be? Well, I think for far too long we've been missing uh, having the actual infrastructure and mechanisms in place that we need to be able to make the progress that disabled people have been asking for uh, at the pace that we need to make that progress. And so by having a ministry, we will not only have uh, the infrastructure in place with regards to uh, the policy um, levers, but also there will be a level of delivery that will be able to be done through the ministry. Uh, We will have a chief executive for that ministry that will sit at the table with other chief executives and be able to ensure that actually the agenda with regards to disabled people and any issues that directly impact disabled people, that that they are on the table across the different sectors and government ministries that exist. Uh, And so it certainly does strengthen, I think, the, the possibilities with regards to the progress that could be made in a range of areas Uh, And um, I'm really excited about what that ministry will be able to achieve. And I think that's certainly, you're right. I mean, it's what the disabled, um, what our community has been saying for a long time, because so often things get parceled up into different groups or different ministries, and there's never been sort of one way of addressing some of those bigger issues. So prior to the ministry, there's obviously going to be a whole lot of work that needs to take place. And I think in the um, announcement that I sat in on the other day, there was talking about a, a structure that was going to happen before the ministry takes place. I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little about that. Sure. Yeah, as part of the transitioning, because 
you know, there is a lot to the, the announcements that I've said, a lot of detail that needs to be worked out. Uh, and so what we'll do, what we're doing is setting up an establishment unit. Uh, that establishment unit will be made up of officials from across the respective and relevant uh, government ministries. Uh, the expectation will be that they work with disabled people uh, to ensure that not only all of the important machinery of government decisions are ticked off, uh, but that at every step, uh, disabled people's perspectives are taken into consideration uh, with regards to the platform that we are laying here. Uh, we want to ensure that we make the right decisions from the start, and so a consultation will certainly be key to that. That sounds really terrific. Now, I know uh, we, we've had a, actually a couple of guests on in the past talking about enabling good lives uh, for our listeners, um, but the rollout of this nationally is obviously going to be a huge piece of work. Um, do we have some timeframes as to when that's likely to start? Yes, we've got some timeframes with regards to uh, parts of what has been announced. So the ministry will be set up in July next year, which aligns with some of the other changes that are happening with the health reforms. Um, the legislation for accessibility legislation will be introduced to the House in July next year. Uh, with regards to the phased rollout of Enabling Good Lives, uh, that is certainly where we're going to need a little bit more advice. I think the commitment at this stage is to move away from the pilot models that we've had for over a decade now. Uh, but in terms of the detail of how we roll that out nationally, that is what still needs to be informed. And there are lots of discussions that need to happen there. I think it's important to note that the starting point, but not the finishing point or the finish point, is certainly with respect to disability support services and the funding there, uh, and also some of what occurs within the Ministry for Social Development, particularly things like community participation uh, and that, that particular service. Um, but that's not the finishing point. We did indicate really strongly in the uh, Cabinet paper that education are committed to coming on board with respect to the Enabling Good Lives approach. Uh, it just can't happen immediately. Um, but we're certainly starting those discussions to see how we can make that happen. And that is their intent. Right. And the access legislation, now that's obviously going to be a huge piece of work. Um, and I know, you know, within the disability community, we continually say to people, you know, just because we get legislation, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. There's going to have to be uh, a lead in. People are going to have to understand what the legislation means, what it covers, what it doesn't and people will have to be educated as to what, how this impacts on, say, businesses, et cetera. Um, so you said it's going to be introduced into the House next year. So what happens between now and then? We basically um, draft the legislation. So mm -hmm. we, we have been working quite closely with the Access Alliance and the lead up yeah. to this, and I really need to acknowledge the work that they uh, have done uh, with regards to getting us to the point where we were able to put accessibility legislation on the table. Mm -hmm. There were some points of difference though, Thomas, and I think I need to be really upfront about that. I know that Access Alliance really were wanting like a, a single regulatory framework um, that, you know, would have basically provided a mandate of regulation across a range of different areas. Um, that was problematic for me as I was trying to work through this because of the 
in fact, that that could potentially override existing legislation. It would mean that um, if we didn't want to override existing legislation, which of course we wouldn't, we would potentially have to amend um, several, several, and I don't know, when I say several, I mean lots of yeah. other pieces of legislation. Hmm. And the work resourcing um, that would be involved in that would would is beyond me or any of the ministries, to be honest. So where we got to was an enabling framework that will allow for um, progressive uh, and enduring um, monitoring and, and changes with and improvements with regards to accessibility across a range of spaces. Now, what I'm hoping, Thomas, is that when that legislation hits the table in July next year, that we have a really high engagement from disabled people in the disability community so they can inform that select committee um, what they think might need to change or where they think we can improve that legislation. Right. And I, I'm pretty sure there'll be a huge number of us um, will be champing at the bit to actually um, have a read and provide submissions and feedback into that process because we really appreciate the great work that you and other ministers have done to get this to the point where it is now and, and for next July. And it's not well. It's not just us doing the work, Thomas. No. It's, it's many people like yourselves that have led us to this space. But um, you know, I can't I can't understate the importance of that select committee process. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've seen on multiple occasions where legislation has been improved significantly uh, because of the submissions that are made from the general public. So I'm looking forward to hearing from as many people as possible on that. Right. Well, we will certainly be promoting it on. Um on the show and we, and we know certainly Wellington Access Radio will be promoting uh, so we can get as many people um, involved, um, even if they're reading it, asking questions within their own communities. And obviously a number of us will be wanting to you know, be more heavily involved as, as things progress. So Minister, look, thank you so much for being on. I know you've got another interview coming up, so I don't wanna make you late for that. But I really do appreciate the time you've given us today and thank you so much and look forward to having you back on the show at a later point when we can talk maybe a bit more detail about what's happening. Thanks, Thomas. And any time, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to meeting up with, with you mm -hmm. and hearing from many of your listeners as well with regards to their views on some of the changes that are occurring. Thank you so much, Minister. You have a great afternoon. You too, Thomas. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. Stop wet day, she's there, I say, be share my umbrella. Bus stop, bus go, she's Okay now, our second guest, and, and I think this is um, quite follows on nicely from the minister is Scott from Metlink. Scott, welcome back to the show. Oh, look, thank you, Thomas. Great to be back on the show. Great to have you. Now, Scott, for our listeners who don't know you, what's your role at Metlink, Greater Wellington? So I'm the uh, general manager of MetLink at Greater Wellington, uh, which means I'm basically in charge of the whole of our public transport network, ranging from the buses to the rail and the uh, ferry that we have running across the harbour. Right. And I guess um, we, we're to see a new ferry at some point too, which we'll talk about a little later because it intrigues me <laughs> a little. Um, but what else has been happening at MetLink since you were last on the show? Well, I think um, it's quite timely because uh, recently we have just released um, our accessibility charter 
And that's really exciting for us at MetLink because it is a charter which is really telling our communities, everyone who uses and relies on our network, that we want to place accessibility right to the forefront of everything, a fundamental part of our DNA. And we know we have a long way to go on some areas for MetLink, but we want to then work with communities, work with groups to make sure everything we are doing from now on has accessibility to the core. And that's really great. And I must admit, I was very privileged to uh, be at the launch of the Charter a few weeks ago. And it was really great to see so many people there interested to know what was happening and supporting the introduction of the Charter. So, Scott, what sort of things are likely to be happening in the new year so people can get involved with the Charter? I think the key thing, as you've just noted there, Thomas, is we can't do this alone. We have to be engaging with all relevant groups and people across our communities to make sure we do the right stuff here. The big thing with the Charter is it's basically laying out our aspirations. Our aspiration is to have a fully accessible public transport network uh, and all aspects of it. Uh, to, to allow us to get there, we need to work with people. We need the voices heard for us to appreciate what else can we be doing on our network, whether it's to do with some of our platforms at railway stations, if it's to do with uh, ongoing training programs for our frontline staff, if it's to do with how we're thinking about our next generation of uh, buses that we wanted to bring on. All of that is crucial. So through the course of next year, we're going to have a range of community engagements, opportunities for people to feed in their views, uh, and it will be iterative along the way. Uh, ultimately, what we're aiming to have is working with people on an action plan so everyone has awareness around what we're going to be trying to achieve over the next couple of years. That sounds really great. And, and I know certainly from the little I've had to do with it and the workshops that the Public Transport Advisory Group had a few weeks ago, there was a lot of interest and people who you didn't think knew too much about accessibility actually had lots to say and were really quite taken with um, a, the process, but also had some great suggestions around accessibility as well. And I think that the key thing for what we picked up from the workshops is that people who travel on public transport all get that you know, some improvements, in fact all the improvements that are being made and suggested so far, are benef will benefit everybody, not just um, you know, the disability community. And I guess the prime example is the low floor bus, you know, we fought for ages to get low-floor buses into New Zealand, and now if we tried to take them off people and give people back buses with steps, I think um, we would see hardly anyone on a bus because nobody likes steps on buses. <laughs> Look, that is, it's really, in recent times, I think we've been making some good progress, and mm. it's off the back of the engagement and people's insights and views that we have been making you know, the changes, the positive changes to our network. Mm. We just want to strengthen this mm. and do it in a more coordinated and collective way uh, so that 
everyone's voices can be heard and the views we can start to factor in because uh, I know from a MetLink perspective, all of my amazing staff are so excited with the opportunity of the Accessibility Charter and the opportunity it has for us to really take it to another level in terms of how we work with people to improve our network for the betterment of everyone in our communities. That's really great, Scott. And we'll try and do what we can to promote and get the message out there about any any events that might be coming up where people can have their say around you know, what's important for them around accessible public transport. What I can say, though, is last week I spent quite a bit of time um, on the number two Seatoon Karori bus. And for those of you who don't know, the new single-decker electric bus is on the number two run, and I think it's running on most services throughout the day. It's quiet, it's easy to get on and out, on and off. Um, buttons for ringing the bell are easy to find, and I understand from wheelchair users that they love the spaces on on the new double on single decker buses. So a great improvement, I think, from a number of people in the community, and I think that will even improve more when we roll out and we see the rollout of the onboard visual and audio announcements, which I understand from last time you were here is going to be sometime next year. Yes, yes, it is. And it's it's just exciting. Uh, I think we're seeing the fruition of a lot of work that we're working on. So, yes, almost we're trying to make sure those brand-new electric single-decker buses are now exclusively all on the number two. And some days, 100% of the services are on the new vehicles. Sometimes it might dip a little bit below 100% if there's any issues. Um, but we are wanting to roll this out. I, I would just also like to acknowledge that the design and the sort of interior footprint, so to speak, on those buses... Again, it's a testament to all of the engagement we've been able to have and the insights from people. We are wanting to learn and make sure we make the improvements for everyone. Uh, and then clearly, um, as you're indicating, you know, Thomas, we are you're quite excited with you know, the other things that we're doing, particularly the onboard visual uh, and sound announcements. Uh, we're working really diligently. We do want to see that in play uh, for next year, and again, there'd probably be a progressive rollout across our bus fleet. Uh, I, I think it would be fair to say that uh, part of the reason why we need to just take things sequentially and do a progressive thing is for some of our maybe older buses, and they're not that old, <laughs> but in terms of the technology and the mm. way the technology moves we need to do a bit more retrofitting to make sure they can then cope with what we're developing. But all of our new buses uh, are going to be capable of just rolling this out as quickly as we can. Which will be great. And so we're planning on doing a bit of a, a, a ride on a bus once the announcements are up and running, do a bit of a recording and have that on the show with you when it's launched next year. Oh, that'll be fantastic. I think that, that we're looking forward to it. I know it's been, for some people, a long time coming. And um, I know that a number of people within MetLink are working a lot to try to make sure we can get this pulled together. Now, 
a new ferry. I understand there's some trials going on with an electric ferry. There is. It is quite exciting. So the operator we have on the ferry, East by West, has been working. They're doing amazing stuff. It's a new electric ferry. Um, it has been completely built and manufactured here in Wellington, out at Seaview. And it is just a testament to New Zealand skills, entrepreneurship, innovation, uh, that it's going to be the Southern Hemisphere's first public transport ferry. Uh, so we're quite excited by it. Um, they've been doing a lot of testing, and you'd expect that when it's uh, the Southern Hemisphere's first. So lots of tests, but we are ever hopeful uh, either just this side of Christmas or shortly thereafter, uh, people will be able to start to use the new electric ferry. Which will be really great. Um, I just you know, can't get my head around in some respects. Seawater, electricity, boats, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah. oh, it's the technology and innovation that, um, again, a lot of amazing Kiwis have done on this and local Kiwis to boot. It is quite phenomenal. Um, the safety of this is tremendous. Um, and again, it, for, for those when you're riding on the electric buses or when you're riding on anything else electric powered, it is just a different noise experience. Mm, it is. Uh, I think we'll probably be hearing the waves a little bit more than <laughs> what you might tend to recall because, mm. again, the electric power is quite quiet. And the takeoff, I noticed on the single-decker buses, is quite quite quick compared with some of the diesel buses. You know, it's like, you know, put the foot down and away you go. It's, <laughs> wow, it's incredible. <laughs> It is, it is. And again, it's just trying to make use of the latest technology and innovations so that, you know, our communities can benefit from all the latest technology. And, you know, we're looking forward to, over the next couple of years, progressively rolling out even more electric vehicles across our bus fleet and, you know, continuing to innovate and think about how we can improve our rail network as well. That's really important. And that is a big thing, is the rail network. And it's one thing I'd, um, in the new year, when we have a few more announcements from you and MetLink, would be like to talk more about trains and where we're going with those. Because that's, you know, we've got the new Martangi trains. Well, they're not new now, but they, they're new compared with what we used to have. And it'd be great for our listeners to get a bit of an insight as to what might be coming up within rail um, in the new year. But we'll, we can have a have a fairly lengthy discussion about that and maybe even do some remote recording since I have a new device which I'm keen to, to, to play with. <laughs> Look, that, that'll be fantastic. And I think, yes, in the new year it would be great to basically just talk about all of the stuff we're working on the real network. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's really great to have you in and good luck with the charter. And I know a number of our listeners will be really keen to participate um, with any of those workshops in the new year. So thank you very much. And we will um, head off to, with something um, relating to public transport. Thanks. Thank you. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.